This week, we take a look at how you can create your very own Sig Saturn mini console. Is Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart really the next generation exclusive it was claimed to be? And the new revised PlayStation 5 might actually be a downgrade over the launch model. I'm Barry. And I'm Anthony. And this is episode 37 of the Retro Gaming Dads podcast, the podcast for everything retro and retro-inspired. So, as we usually start the podcast, what have you been playing this week? Uh, so, I've been, obviously, playing Act Kid. Well, trying to get it completed, ready for the podcast we do for that. Um, I did not realise how difficult that game would be. Obviously, that's a be a print of two coming up. <laughs> Just imagine playing that on the original mass system with no continues or saves oh, or anything of the like. Yeah, I can't imagine having to restart the whole game, but <laughs> we'll come to it, we'll come to it. But yeah, I did not realise how much frustration I was going to have from this game. But then I've also been playing Dragon Quest still. Really enjoying Dragon Quest Builders 2, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, Dragon Quest Builders 2. So I'm really enjoying like, that. 10, 15 hours, we're finally unlocked multiplayer. <laughs> unlocked multiplayer and realised that we couldn't do as much as what we hoped to do. But it's still fun. I couldn't bring any of my stuff, not even my equipment, across to your game. No, no, you couldn't. I'd use your little Naf loaner gear stuff. <laughs> In all fairness, it was, it was the best gear you could have got like, from me. To be honest, my week's been pretty much the same. Played quite a bit of Stardew and Dragon Quest Builders for like, I don't know, the, the fourth week on a run. And I actually had a quick run through of Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX, just so I could, while it was fresh in my mind, see what the difference between the original and the DX version was. And to be honest, it wasn't a massive difference. That's good. That's good. But before we read it anymore, because we want to savour it for the episode for Alex Kidd, we have quite, not quite a bit of news, but I think some quite interesting news this week, at least. One that definitely caught my eye, because... You you know me, I have a little thing for Sega Saturns and uh, Just tad, ho- yeah. hoarding them. A YouTuber called ETA Prime, which if you're into retro game consoles, you've probably seen one of his videos, has actually made his very own Sega Saturn mini console. Now, this does look very interesting. I think it's quite clever how he's put it together. But also it says, because it doesn't say it's quite limited to what games you can play due to how he puts it together. Yeah, unfortunately, it's running on Raspberry 4 compute module, so it's not the best performance out of it. So it does, ironically, struggle to play Sega Saturn games. It does play them, just not full speed. However, the as a whole, the unit looks fantastic. So what he's done is he's got a little scale model of the Sega Saturn that Bandai are selling. A bit like, a bit like the uh, Gunpla kits that you get. Oh yeah, where they pop out. Yeah, instead of being a cool Gundam, it's a uh, Sega Saturn, which, in my opinion, is much cooler. Still pretty cool, but not as cool as Gundam. Don't start. Uh, I, I disagree. Back and off. you can actually buy a little daughter board that attaches to the compute module, which lines okay. it up perfectly with the Sega Saturn case. So the f- controller ports on the front, for example, it's got micro USB ports. It, unfortunately, they're not USB-C, but it's got micro USB ports that perfectly line up with the two ports at the front and the port at the back for power, as well okay. as a headphone jack. So it's actually still usable. I mean, the fact that it's a Raspberry Pi, obviously, as you very well know, the amount of games you could put on that is ridiculous. Well, yeah, I've got one on my desk here. It's got couple of thousand games um exactly le- legally acquired go. games <clears throat> anyway yeah, yeah 
but I think it is unfortunate that going into a mini Sega Saturn case, but then can't really play the Sega Saturn games. Yeah, that's just um, the downside you've got there. Yeah, unfortunately, I've got a Raspberry Pi four, and I got that with the intention of playing retro games on it, like many many people do, and was disappointed that it can't really play Sega Saturn titles. Oddly enough, it can play PlayStation games almost flawlessly in most situations. Yeah, that that disjoint was bizarre. Whenever that, I thought, surely if you could play PlayStation titles, why well, can't do Sega Saturn? Well, but I do understand why, but at the same time, it's just frustrating. Yeah, the the Sega Saturn's architecture was a bit odd, to be honest. The story is that when Sony announced the specs of the PlayStation, Sega were like, oh we don't match these. We've gone in a completely different direction. We're going like more with the 2D games that the Mega Drive yeah. and the Super Nintendo were known for rather than 3D polygons. So it wasn't really up to the PlayStation standards. So basically they went, oh, what can we do? And they went, I'll oh, just chuck a second chip in there. That'll do. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out later. Just, you know, stick it in there. And we'll, we'll just roll with it. So obviously... With this going together, I don't expect it will cost too much to build this sort of console, should it? Well, no, but it'd probably cost similar price to what a lot of these mini consoles came out for originally. Okay. You can actually get the compute module for as little as about £24, brand new. So they're pretty inexpensive. The actual case itself from Amazon, I had a quick look, was about £32. The most expensive part is the actual mainboard that fits into the case and allows you to attach the compute module now that's going to cost about 42 dollars and bear in mind on top of that you probably have shipping and maybe import so around about 100 pounds you could be looking at i would say about 80 pounds maybe okay it's something they can always do i know it's something that you would happily do <laughs> well i've already put the uh sig satin case onto my wish list on amazon well i'm not surprised Unfortunately, they don't do the white version of the case. It's just the kind of grayish, beige kind of color. If they'd done the white one, I'd have snapped one up anyway, just just to have on my desk. Or orange. (laughs) Well, there was never an orange sign case. It it seems interesting, and I'm quite impressed by it, if I'm honest. Yeah, well, I'll leave a link to the actual video. It's, It's definitely interesting just to watch him make it. And then not be able to play Sega Saturn games on it. Very sad. That's the ultimate travesty in the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's a shame that you can play so many of the games, <laughs> but what you want to play on it. Yeah, but you can still play like Mega Drive and Super Nintendo on it. it anything 16-bit and below, it'll have no issue with. When Once you get to the 32-bit, PlayStation's about as much as you can do on it. Well, sounds good. And I can't wait to watch the video. I've not yeah. actually seen it myself. Well, another video that I'd seen on YouTube recently is, have you seen someone has imported Mario Kart 8 tracks into Microsoft Flight Simulator? Uh, no, I hadn't. However, I'm really sad that it's not something that I've tried. And I can see that it was a proof of concept thing, so I'm guessing it's gone already. But it sounds like it would have been a lot of fun. So the so a modder by the name of Illogicoma, I think that's how you say it, Actually, it ported, I think it was five tracks into Microsoft Flight Simulator. Yeah. Now, he hasn't actually released this mod, so it is kind of like a private mod for him, but he has got a video up online 
where him and some of his friends are actually racing around these tracks. Yeah, I'm just looking at the images got, and so the track is basically just floating in the air, and the ring covers the whole track. Um, yes. So you know you can follow around. So I just think it's quite funny. I know you're not on the track, but the fact you can see the track and you're still following the route, yes. I think it's pretty neat how he's done it. One thing that made me laugh is when I was watching the video, because quite a lot of the tracks have underpasses or tunnels that you go through. Oh, yeah. Almost the entire time, all you can hear is the plane going, pull up, pull up, pull up, pull up. <laughs> it's very close. Yeah. Just there, like, warning lights going off and everything. I was about to say, how often do they crash? Because obviously a plane's going to be bigger than the car. I know they has it upscaled the map, I'm guessing, but... Um, I, I don't think so. However, he hasn't put any collision with the environment. So if you wanted oh, okay. to, you could actually fly straight through it. So it, it was more just a thing for fun rather than a serious race. Yeah, I thought that was pretty strange. I That was pretty neat. Mario Kart 8, I was looking, is number two in the UK charts. That's been out for ages. How long is this game going to stay in the top ten? What the heck? <laughs> And bear in mind, that doesn't include digital copies of the game either. That's just physical. Uh, I'm surprised. At some point, they have to release Mario Kart 9, surely. Yeah, but they're definitely not going to do it while it's still selling so well. Mario Kart 8. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, well exactly. And um, let's be honest, this is Nintendo we're talking about, so... <laughs> They'll have to just bleed money. At- <laughs> yeah, bleed but, but, bear in mind, this is already just a re-release of the Wii game anyway, so... Oh, sorry, the Wii U game. What, similar to like um, EA with FIFA? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least Nintendo do it across two different generations rather than three games on the same generation. <laughs> That's, yeah, took it too far for them, I guess. Yeah. Now, another one that I saw, which I thought was quite interesting, and I didn't know they already had something in place, was China is uh, limiting online gaming to only three hours per week for children. Oh, Yeah. Good job it wasn't a thing in the UK when me and Phil were kids. Well, Especially I mean, the amount of time if he played World of Warcraft. I just thought that was crazy. I read this and I thought, what the heck? What is it exactly? Because they used to be limited to an hour and a half a day that anyone under the age of 18. Yes, yeah, so 90 minutes per day or two hours during holidays they used to get. Right. Now they don't even get that. They now only get three hours per week for under 18s. Mm-hmm. Saying that, they can only play between 8 and 9 p.m. on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays and bank on public holidays. Yeah. I believe that's just 8 and 9 o'clock in the evening for the Friday. Yeah. Anytime Saturday, Sunday, or bank ho- uh, public holidays. Can you imagine being restricted to that? <laughs> no. Been playing it loads with Kerry. We go on Stardew Valley, and the amount of time she goes, should we just do half an hour? And the next thing we realize, we've been on it two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah I, I couldn't at that point no. what's the point exactly not even from when you turn 16 you can get out of that is anyone under 18 yeah and because it says here that they are required to sign in using their real names and verify with the date of birth so it's all in there but then also saying that the developers are responsible for implementing the restrictions within the games that's a lot for developers to do as well yeah, yeah, it's a it's a lot of weight on the developers to make sure because I'm I don't know for certain, but I would imagine there's probably some hefty fines if they don't comply with this. 
let's face it, China do have a different level of I don't culture. Want, I don't want to say um, yeah, we'll say we'll say culture. I don't want to say censorship, but apparently gaming is actually a big issue in China. They have like boot camps, like detox camps, where they'll send children who are just addicted to playing games all of the time. I can imagine it because um, I remember I was watching a documentary on Netflix about the games that made us or something yeah. like that. And a lot of arcades were talking about a lot of games first came out over in sort of China and Japan way. And now like the, you know, the Sega arcades, are they in China or are they in Japan? They're in Japan. Um, and it's only recently that, that all the big companies could actually sell games consoles in China. So, for example, I, I don't think Sega themselves ever released a single console in China just because it wasn't allowed. Even Nintendo had to go through a, I think it was a Chinese company, and they produced the IQ range. And what they done is they rebranded Nintendo consoles for China, but it was a Chinese company that was handling all of that, not actually Nintendo. That's crazy, that how much restrictions is on gaming. I didn't realize gaming was that big of an issue in China for people. Well, yeah, apparently. Again, we're probably getting quite a skewed view of it, but every Chinese game that I'm aware of that comes out in the West is always really heavily maybe not pay to win, but quite heavy on the in-game purchases. Okay. You know, whether it's to unlock new characters, new equipment, or anything in-game like that. If they are a lot of Chinese games. <laughs> no, but to be honest, that would probably pull the Chinese titles to shame anyway. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought I read that and I thought I was just mad. Yeah. Well, they're also banning for under 12s the purchase of any in game content completely. Yeah. Which, yeah, again, are. a lot of these Chinese games tend to be free to play. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't agree with aiming in game, uh, sorry, in app purchases. At children no i'm with like, you as well years ago we heard this what was it like smurfville or something where children were asking to buy like in-game smurf points or something and the parents were like okay they'll put the password in and because there was like a grace period like these kids were running up thousands of pounds worth of in-game purchases why do you need to be able to spend that much in a game any game at all especially a smurf game <laughs> yeah of all games perched on why put into smurfs exactly if it was dead or alive i can understand that that's just expected. again i know one or two people who have spent way too much on like Fortnite. well I yeah don't, i just don't get it uh it's because there's only for skins and cosmetics a lot of the time well yeah because if it's anything beyond that if it's anything that affects the game gameplay then it, it does become pay to win yes i've mentioned this in the past i know people who go out and buy a brand new current gen console just to buy FIFA, nothing else, yep. buy FIFA every year and then spend additionally on top of that a couple of hundred pounds on an um, Ultimate Team. Yeah, I've known people in the past, same thing, and it's sad if I'm honest. Yeah, don't get me wrong, I I play PSO too, but I've been playing that for what? Probably about eight years, maybe? Yeah, you've been playing this longer, longer then I've known you. Maybe every couple of years I might drop like 20 quid on it for buying a new character slot or premium or buying a new mag. And I, See, I don't mind that. That sort of stuff I don't mind because it is a free-to-play game. Yeah. Didn't cost you anything. And it helps you 
in different ways with your account and it's yeah. not you're not paying to win um there's a game that i was playing oh pants i forgot what the game's called where you you're basically like a space ninja um sorry i can't help you with that one again it's a free to play game and you can buy platinum and you can unlock extra character slots or armor slots and that stuff and just and weapon slots stuff like that warframe by any uh, chance that's it warframe right thank you. right <laughs> i was trying to think what it might have been then and again you know i spent 20 30 quid on that and i didn't mind it because it was giving me extra slots to have more weapons with me yeah, or character with me without having to destroy stuff, and it it helps me have much more of a variety with it. Well, Warframe never played a lot of, but again, I always bang on about it. But Fancy Star Online too, I don't feel like anything I paid for because I paid for a larger inventory, an extra mag, more character slots. None of that was vital to playing the game. I would not have been at a disadvantage had I not purchased premium or any of the other unlockables that I did purchase. It just improves your gameplay when you're playing it. You're like, oh, sweet, I've got this, I can change this. And it gives you more accessibility and a more variety to change the way that you play it for yourself. Yeah, to be honest, the big one for me was premium just so that I had the in-game shop so that I could sell all the junk that I didn't need for a higher price to other players. (laughs) Rather than selling at market price for like, you know, 10% Oh, yeah. of what it actually could sell for. NPC. Oh, yeah, I see. You've got the World Ender, the mythical sword. I'll give you a 20 master for it. <laughs> then you look online, it's like, oh, yes, 20 million? Yeah, oh, what? Because yeah. <laughs> um, let's face it, you're, you're a bit of a cheapskate. I'm assuming that you've never paid for anything in PSO2. I have, thank you. Didn't you start? Oh, have you? Have you? Yeah. Oh, I stand corrected. Because I, I was going to say, I'm guessing you've never felt that you've been at a disadvantage. Well, no, I did once because I um, remember when I bought like a, I got like a mag and inventory space. Oh well, yeah, when it like a, a new starter special or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, I and remember. I, I got that pack, and it was just nice to have a different mag so I can change different mags. Again, I was oh, it definitely wasn't at a disadvantage when you had it and I didn't at all. No yeah. chance. So I didn't feel like it made a difference. When it is pay to win, it is a shame. Yeah, I I do remember, especially like the late 90s, early 2000s, playing loads of online games where it definitely became pay to win. And it it just sapped all the fun out of it. But they knew how to get you hooked. They'll let you go so far. So you've invested a, a good amount of time into the game before you hit up to this wall where other players are paying. Well... Just quickly before, obviously, we'll <laughs> finish up a second, but Star Wars Battlefront 2. Oh, yeah, when that first started. That was the defining game that changed it, if I'm honest, because that came out, that was all paid to win, there was a massive thing against it, there was, wasn't there lawsuits against it as well, stuff like that, and then all of a sudden, they took it all out, took paid to win out, and they took all pension out and just went, oh, crud, I'm fixed it all. Well, yeah, EA actually done a patent on systems to try and prompt people to pay for in-game items more often. So what they would do is they would match them with lower-ranked players for a while so that they win in loads of games and then suddenly rank them with higher-skilled players, like much higher than what they were playing at at the time. And when they've lost a few items they'll start ranking them with higher-ranked players who have purchased certain items that give them advantages. Yeah. So then this player's thinking, well, obviously, they're beating me because they've got this character or this weapon. 
So if they then went and purchased an item, the system would say, ah, you've purchased a new weapon, say. We'll start putting you with lower-ranked players again. So you've got this new weapon, and then suddenly you're winning all these matches because it's ranking you with lower-ranked players. You start thinking, oh, obviously it's this weapon, which is amazing. This is why I'm winning. But then it'll slowly start matching you with higher-ranked players again, and it'll just repeat it over and over and over. And there you go. That was one of the defining games with pay to win. And, you know, that was where there was the massive change around it, wasn't it? Because they really got slammed hard for that. Well, yeah, and they deserved it, to be honest. Oh, yes, they did. They really did. Yeah. I I remember when in-game content was something to get excited about. Now you look at it and think, oh, what part of the game am I missing? Halo 2. Then when they got the map packs, I was like, ace. And I remember buying the discs for the map packs to add on to it. And then, you know, again, a lot of games when they were doing in-game content, adding new stuff, and it's like, there's in-game content coming out. You're like, great, what do I have to pay? And he goes, oh, it's coming free. You're like, whoa. And that's a shock now. I think this all started with Oblivion with the horse armor. (laughs) It all went downhill from that point. I think it was only a couple of quid, but it was purely cosmetic from what I understand. Uh, anyway, this in itself could be an entire episode on its own. So Yes, like, like that's what I was saying earlier. I was trying to mention Star Wars and then sort of move on. Yeah, we're completely sidetracked from talking about limiting children's playtime in China. Ended up slagging off EA, Star Wars. <laughs> uh, me talking about PSO2 as I normally do. I actually love Star Wars. I'm not I'm not slamming Star Wars, I'm just slamming what it was, but what it is now, I'm happy. We're talking about something that's a little bit better value for money. Okay. Nintendo Online, it's it's not the worst value for money for an online service. It's definitely no, not the best. It's not. There's rumors that Game Boy and Game Boy Color titles will be coming to the service like relatively soon, maybe by the end of the year. Pokemon. <laughs> right. I was just about to ask you, what games would you like to see? Ugh. So the rumor Pokemon. is that Game Boy Advance games aren't coming. So it'll only be original okay. and color. For now. I'm happy with Game Boy and Game Boy Color titles. Do yeah. I have to replay Pokemon games or other Game Boy games without having me having to go home and get my cartridges from my parents' house or yeah. dig them out from wherever they are? Well, don't Play forget as Switch. well, the battery will be long dead in them by now as well. You'll have to replace that. <sighs> I don't know. Yours wasn't. No, no, sorry. In the cartridge itself? Yeah. My Pokemon, no, my Pokemon Yellow, it wiped itself, the battery had gone, it doesn't save. you turned it on, you're like, oh, hang on, it's alive? Cause it wasn't no, no, that was, that was turning the actual Game Boy Advance on. Ah, uh, okay. I was surprised the Game Boy Advance still had battery life in it, because it had been in loft for years and years. All right, got well, you. I think titles that they'd have to bring across, definitely Tetris. Couldn't <laughs> get away with introducing Game Boy games and not include Tetris. No. And then Phil's dad is going to want to get a Switch to just play Tetris. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Phil best not leave his Switch lying around if, uh, if that happens, his dad will swipe that. I'm quite happy for, if this was actually going to happen, it's a good direction to go into, because it's opening Nintendo Online and the Nintendo Shop to a lot more, the variety for it. But then also, people can go back and play games for some nostalgia, uh, other yeah. than just the NES and the SNES. Having the Game Boy and Game Boy Color as well, I think it's a great thing to do. Personally, I would think it'd be a good idea to have done this, but include Game Boy Advance games and bring Metroid 2 Samus Returns and Metroid Zero and Metroid Fusion on the Game Boy Advance. Just 
Is that so, just ready for the next Metroid game? Exactly, ready for Metroid yeah. Dread coming out, which I think is like a month or so away now. Not long at all. No, no. I don't know. I think other games, uh, obviously Pokemon Red and Blue and Yellow, uh, Gold, Silver and Crystal. And Crystal. One game I'd like to see is Mega Man Extreme, which was kind of like a, a demake of the Mega Man X series, but for the Game Boy Color. I always enjoyed that. And there was another fighting game as well that I have actually still got on cartridge. Power Quest, I think it was called, which was okay. quite a decent one-on-one beat-em-up. See, um, a couple of other games that I remember was, mind you, remember the age that I was? It's a Harry Potter Game Boy game. <laughs> right. I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> Fair enough. I, uh, I I quite enjoyed that game. It was quite a fun little game, uh, running around, again, sort of similar to Pokemon, top-down, looking around, going to all different rooms, exploring. Um, and then also there was Pokemon Pinball, funnily enough, as well. Is that the one that had a rumble pack built into the cartridge? Yes, it was a really right. big, fat rumble pack that sat on top. There's quite a few weird games like that on the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance. Playing on the Game Boy wasn't too bad because it just stuck at the back. Playing on the Game Boy Advance or the Game Boy... Uh, or the SP or something like that. Also, you just got this massive bulge sticking out the top or bottom of the co- uh, the console you're holding. There's plenty of games that they could pull from. Obviously, there's like the Super Mario Land series. Yes. Uh, Wario Land series as well. There's a couple of good Kirby games to choose from. So there's, there is plenty of titles on there. If you look at how many titles are on the NES and SNES, you know, you're easily looking at 50 each, would you say? Yeah. Although, in all fairness, the recent crop of games that they've been adding to the service for, like, the SNES, uh, they've they're not been games I'd choose. No, they've not. I can safely say, I think that, if they do bring this in, there will definitely be Pokemon and Mario within that. It wouldn't surprise me if they didn't put Pokemon on there and just sold it separately. I don't know why. Don't like that. I don't know why I feel like that, but it's definitely something I could see Nintendo doing. They'd have to release a um, similar to um, Mario 3D All Stars. <laughs> what a collection of the like Pokemon that. games! Yeah, they should do that. They should bring out little bundles like um, yeah. Pokemon Gem One and have like red, green, and yellow. Uh, sorry, red, blue, and yellow, or even yeah. add green because it was significantly different to what we got over here. I no, I don't. I've seen I've seen the look of green. I didn't like the look of it. Oh well, Pokemon Green or the original Japanese Pokemon Red. If you look at them, the Pokemon look atrocious. They've redone all the graphics for them as well. That's I'd say. No, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, but it'd be nice as a little oddity, wouldn't it? Nope. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it nope. Would. <laughs> no, I don't want to. I don't want to look at that. Well, moving on, to something a bit more modern. Have you seen Ratchet and Clank Rift? Apart? I have seen it. I've seen the trailer of it, and then I've also watched the video of what we're going to be talking about next as well, which absolutely slams a statement. <laughs> well, so for those who don't know, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is a PlayStation 5 title that Insomniac Games said could not be done on previous gen consoles. It was only capable to do on the PlayStation 5 due to its super fast SSD. And the reason for that is as you're playing, you literally break a rift open in space and go from stage to stage seamlessly no loading you just go straight through and you're in another stage however the youtube channel coding secrets who is done by one of the founders of traveler's tales i believe has disputed that and said it could be done pretty easily on the playstation 3 it's basically just ripped apart yes and he's 
put evidence there to show that it all can just be preloaded. It doesn't need to have an SSD. Um, it does not need to run at all. And yes. um, there'll be a video that we will put below in the show notes so you guys can watch the video as well. To me, it just kind of the statement that they said that it can only be done in the SSD is just complete false. Yeah. Now, this isn't to say that they aren't using that super fast SSD to pull this off on the PlayStation 5, but it definitely could have been done on previous gen systems just in a different way. So what he's saying is in some of his own games, he'd done a lot of the Lego Star Wars games. Yeah. That they'd done something similar to that where you could have two characters in two completely different locations and it would quickly switch between the two. It was seamless the way it could switch. Which is exactly what he's saying that they could do for Rift Apart if they wanted to, say, bring it back to the PlayStation 4. They could just pre-buffer what's going to be through the next Rift because it's not something that you can just summon up at any point. It is a linear experience going from one area to the next. Which I think is a bit of a shame. The fact that the game plays on the fact you can jump between Rifts, complete different areas... Why can't you just then create a rift and jump across? You know, I, yeah. I think they've definitely missed a trick there where, you know, you could be running around, you're like, oh, okay, need to go somewhere else, Poof, jump, go. It is yeah. very linear. It is set points that can easily preload before you get through. I'm not quite sure in regards to how the SSD is being used. Fair enough, it might be faster loading that. But even he says during the video, he doesn't quite understand what the SSD is really doing to make it needed. Yeah. Again, I think the argument is not that they aren't doing what they're saying. They're just basically they're just brute forcing it with the SSD. You know, if they work smarter, they could do it on an old system. A good example, actually, is that stage in Titanfall 2, where you can actually flick between two versions of the same stage. Yes, you can go to the past and future. And that you do it on demand where you like, and it's essentially two stages. So the game itself, the game itself looks actually pretty good. I've not had an awful lot of experience with the Ratchet and Clank games, but it does look really, really nice. I love the Ratchet and Clank games. Maybe they overplayed how powerful the SSD was in creating that particular experience. Yeah, because what he was saying the trailer that showed him jump between rifts is very much the fact that you have a set path that's it. You cannot move around much at all. So yeah. it's very linear, very easy to jump through and isn't using much power at all to go through. Yeah. And each area that you jump through, so you jump through, is it like four or five different stages? Yeah. It's only a very small section of every stage that you jump through as well. Yeah. And it says also between them, you've got like a, you jump through the rift and you're kind of in like a space. Yeah, where he's like tumbling it, around. Yeah, and it's yeah. during that where it's doing the switch over from one you're in that was rendered to the pre-render has been sitting. And as soon as you jump across it, then go to the next one. Not sure about the statement they made that it can only be done on the SSD. I think they were just playing it up a bit. But as you mentioned before, we'll leave the video in the show notes. It's definitely worth a watch. And he definitely explains it a hell of a lot better than we just did. Yes, if we confuse you, we're sorry. Just watch the video. Yeah. No, that's not the only PlayStation 5 news we have because obviously... It's not going... the only bad PlayStation 5 news that we've got. How often do we give good PlayStation 5 news though? There was definitely that one episode. I just can't yeah. remember what it was. There was one episode. Oh, it's because they said they were no longer closing the stores. Oh, right. Okay, that's not really that good. 
that that was it. <laughs> that was literally it. Yeah. So going from one bad places in five news to another one, let's talk about the revised consoles coming out. Now I've heard a few little tidbits and different things about it. One thing that has definitely been announced is the fact that the heat sink's been reduced. Yeah, this this isn't just like shaving off a little bit here and a bit there. This is going to town with a butcher's knife on the heat sink and the cooling system, oh, isn't it? Is. It's like two thirds of the size. It looks like. <laughs> yeah, it, it literally looks like they've stripped out all of the copper. It's tiny compared to what it looked like. It is. It's definitely less than half the size. They were wondering why the console was a bit lighter. And Sony have also come out saying that they are no longer losing money on each console sold. Ripped half of it out. Yeah, but it's just going to set on fire instead. Well, yeah, it does run about five degrees hotter from what people are saying, which is 10% hotter than the normal console. It's hitting like 56 degrees. It's not at the point where you're thinking, oh, it's going to cause damage to the console. I'm pretty certain these components can survive much higher temperatures than that. You know, you get you get PCs, oh god, you get Macs that go. Do you know what? We're at 99 degrees. We we'll we'll just pull it back a little bit now. Yeah. So I'm pretty certain if they can survive that sort of temperature, this can survive 56, 57 degrees. So the fact that they're already launching a revised version of the PS5 only after what a year. Sorry, less than a year since it was released. Well, not that, yeah, like 10 months, something like that. So I'm guessing this will be coming out later on this year. Uh, no, no, these are these are already out in Japan and I think some of places like Australia. So 10 months and they're already releasing the revised version. Yeah, yeah, they, these are available in certain regions. They must have been losing quite a bit then to then be like, okay, we need to do something. Maybe. I'm, the other thing I'm thinking of is maybe the shaving back on the materials needed for the consoles. So for every 10 consoles that they used to produce, now they'll be able to produce 11. They'll just get like yeah. a, a little bit of a upturn in production. Let's turn away from bad news, I guess, and go to some good news, Barry, we're waiting for. Yeah, and as always, we start talking about good news and it inevitably comes to Microsoft. Yes. Not that we're uh, Xbox fanboys or anything like that. No, 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 not at all. No, actually, I'll take that back. This isn't actually all good news. First bit, definitely is, Halo Infinite has received a launch date. So we now know, 8th of December, I am calling in sick. Shouldn't have sat that in front of me, boss. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... 8th of December. Unfortunately, it misses the Halo 20th anniversary by a couple of weeks, but it's it's close enough, isn't it? It is, and I don't care. I've waited long enough. I want the yeah. game. I've already preloaded on my Xbox already. I was just about to say, if you hate having spare drive space, you can actually start preloading it. Although you said it was only a 300 yeah. meg or something so yeah, far. Yeah, it's only a couple of hundred meg for the preloading of it. I'm actually looking forward to it after playing the test flight or whatever it was called. Yeah. I'm looking really forward to it because I think they will be doing another sort of like a big team battle test as well. Yes. Sorry, just going slightly off topic as well. Weren't you mentioning that they're going to do one for the new Battlefield soon? Yes, they are. Uh, when I say soon, I think is actually as of this weekend. No, next weekend. No, sorry, it's this weekend. So it's starting on the 4th for people who have uh, pre-ordered it for early access. Mm-hmm. And then it starts on the sixth as an open beta, which is then on until the eleventh. Right. Um, oh, well, actually, that's a pretty decent amount of time, isn't it? So yeah, it's a pretty big window, and so I'm I'm away for part of the time, but I'm hoping 
when I go back, I will be able to play it because I really want to give this a try. Because <laughs> also, if they do put in the portal, remember the game mode name? Portal. Yes. If they put in portal again, I would happily give that a try and see how that goes. I would imagine they're probably not going to put that in. Don't say that. <laughs> Why? It's it's probably one of the biggest selling points for it. Let's let's keep <laughs> that what? for the actual Just game. Just make us wait to... on bated breath. Yeah, you have to actually pay for the good stuff. I'm sure we might get a bit more coming soon, but that's all we know so far. Well, hopefully as well, we might get another crack at playing a bit of Halo Infinite before it comes out. Uh, even if it's just to tide us over a little bit, get people excited about it as well. Yeah, I would like to play through um, our species before Barry about going through Halo 4 and Halo 5, at least. Yeah. Because um, I feel like those two would be the two ones that would interlink with Infinite the most. Well, yeah, because the original three were kind of their own standalone trilogy. And I think, I don't know if they've necessarily abandoned it, but it was supposed to be Halo 4, 5, and 6, or Infinite as it is, was supposed to be like a second trilogy of titles. I think quite a few different sort of uh, companies, or at least movies, do that sort of thing. Like Star Wars, for example. Oh, God, hopefully it's better than the second trilogy of Star Wars. So far it has been, surely. Uh, but no, uh, yeah. So it is kind of like a standalone trilogy. Yeah. So I, I really would like to play through four and five, get myself refreshed and ready for Infinite so I know exactly what's going on. Yeah. I did like the cinematic for the multiplayer, though. It looked amazing. I, I must have watched that, I don't know, ten times easy. I was very happy and surprised when that was dropped because Halo hasn't done anything like that before. And you were saying Call of Duty has done for the last few seasons. Yeah, they, they tend to have a cinematic for each season. Because that was a surprise drop, wasn't it? Yes. Well, literally, I think it was like the day before when Microsoft had the Gamescom indie... Well, it wasn't actually an indie showcase, but they had a lot of indie games there. Everyone was like, oh, blatantly Halo's been delayed. It wasn't shown off. And then the next day, they had this little Halo event where they shown this. Mic drop. Yeah, yeah. Wait, oh, actually, I'll come back to mic drop in a minute. Something else to mention as well that I've not put in the notes. Okay. And watching that cinematic, honestly... Uh, again, this will be in the show notes. The bit when that drop pod comes out and then Spartan steps out and then shields the woman from the shots from yes. the brute, and the music starts. Honestly, the hairs on my arm just stood buzzing. On yeah, I was just buzzing. I was like, yeah. "Yes, I can't wait." <laughs> it it was yeah, it was fantastic. I really yeah, just, really just enjoyed watching. Give us that. a movie that looks like that. Yeah, Please. it doesn't need to be live action. Don't do live action. Just gives a cinematic movie. Or yeah, Halo definitely. Wars. All those cuts of the Halo Wars, like they should have just jammed together into a movie. I remember Why? the original Halo Wars, watching the Forge uh, sequence just before. Yeah, just before Lieutenant Forge takes the slip space drive up to detonate the sun or something. I can't the quite three remember. Three sparses of fighting the f- all the elites. Yeah, walkway. Yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. That was amazing, that I watched that so many times. <sighs> Well, anyway, now, now that we're in a good mood and that, let's go on to the bit of a downer. So, yes. they also announced a limited edition Xbox Series X. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned it, but I sold my Series X early in the year. And I said, if they bring out a limited edition one, I'm going to pick it back up. This instantly sold out. 
places like Game were selling it. You could not buy the console on its own. It was only as a bundle. And they had various things. Anything from a t-shirt, just a plain t-shirt that just had like play one on it. it wasn't even a Halo t-shirt. Yeah. You could not buy the console on its own. Anyway, they're all gone. I'm fairly certain scalpers have got them because on eBay, they're all selling for 650 to 800 quid. These are ones that have actually been sold as well. There's plenty of listings that are above this price. The console itself, it should only be, I think it's 479 because it does include Halo Infinite as a game. So it is a little yeah. bit more expensive than the base Series X. Um, it's just ridiculous people it's not even out yet i don't know why ebay haven't taken these down like they did with the steam say, cause surely because they can't meet that 30 day shipping well, n- no they can't it's coming out in november the con- the actual console mm. people are asking for anywhere from about 150 to 300 pounds extra for the console you know us they're doing is pre-ordering it and reselling it i saw the console and the control that comes with control. And because there's also a Elite Series 2 controller. That's a Halo yes. edition as well, isn't there? Again, and, that's completely sold. Oh, they look amazing. I yeah. could happily pick up any of them. But like you said, sold out straight away. And scalpers have just gone straight on eBay. And it just ruins everything. Well, again, the Master Chief Elite controller. That's going for like 250 to 320 quid, I think it was. So again, that's another like seventy to one hundred and fifty pound markup. Just it's again, it's not even out. Just makes me sad. Yeah, this is, this is probably just maybe a discussion for another episode. But uh, I'm getting a bit sick of gaming in general just because of scalpers. Whether it's retro or even things that aren't out yet, it doesn't matter which way you go. If you're trying to get hold of a Steam Deck or a Switch OLED an Xbox or a PlayStation 5 or a new graphics card for your PC, it's much more difficult than it needs to be because people have just got bots buying them all up and just reselling them, which unfortunately people are actually paying those prices. Yeah, which again pushes to think, okay, sweet, I'm making the money. Let's keep doing it. And so whilst scalpers keep buying, keep selling, people keep buying off scalpers, of course scalpers are going to stick there. They're, They're like, oh, sweet. I'm making a lucrative business by yeah. making an extra, I don't know, couple hundred quid of selling Xbox at a higher price. Now, unfortunately, Anthony has had to get off and go look after his kids. So I'll be taking us to the end of this episode. First piece of news that we've got remaining is April O'Neil will be a playable character in not one, but two new titles. First of all, she'll be joining the roster in Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. And more importantly, she'll be coming to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, the upcoming side-scrolling brawling game. Now, in this title, it does look like they'll be keeping her old, original, sort of 80s-style character, complete in yellow jumpsuit. So they're moving a bit more away from the Kunoichi sort of character that she has been in more recent iterations of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And she does actually fight with a microphone, which earlier on, Anthony reminded me about it with mic drop, is how she actually ends one of her combos, which is quite a nice little touch. On to the final piece of news for today. Now, for those of you who are PC gamers, you might be interested to hear that Microsoft have announced that Windows 11 will be officially released the 5th of October 2021. Now, 
as well as being a brand new UI overhaul, it does bring some gaming-specific features, including DirectX 12 Ultimate, which is the most up-to-date version of the graphics API, which will allow for more stunning-looking games in the future, especially with things like ray tracing. You'll also get access to Direct Storage, which allows your graphics card to supply your RAM with game assets and bypassing the CPU, so that can concentrate on doing whatever it needs to do in the background. Also, HDRs also come into the PC, a feature that we already have on the Xbox series of consoles, which allows non-HDR content to get partway to looking like true HDR. Now, it's not as good as something that was designed with HDR in the first place. And finally, if, like me, you use Game Pass, Game Pass will now be natively built into the OS as opposed to the additional app that it is at the moment. Now, you will still need an additional subscription in order to use it, but it will be tied in with the OS a lot better. And that's it for this episode. So thank you for listening. And if you would like to hear more from us, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. And you can also visit us at www.retrogamingdads.co.uk if you wish to find out about anything that we mentioned in this podcast or just maybe have a listen to our previous episodes. So once again, thanks for listening.